0: Welcome to Raw Roast, where we have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. I'm here today with our senior pastor, Sean Winters, and our engagement pastor, Ben Tyville My name is Tucker Anderson, and I am your host. Normally, we, we come to you on Mondays, but uh, today uh, is Tuesday because of uh, Memorial Day this past weekend. Sort of the unofficial uh, start to summer here in Minnesota. Uh, but, of course, we do remember also those who have uh, given uh, their lives for our country uh, and honor them um, this Memorial Day weekend as well. One of, the, one of the topics that I think doesn't get covered all that uh, certainly enough is, is the role of the Holy Spirit in the, in the life of the believer, at least in Baptist circles, I would say, and some other uh, evangelical and, and perhaps non-denominational circles. Uh, but that's something that we are covering these uh, these last few weeks and some weeks to come in this sermon series uh, that Pastor Sean, you've been doing uh, called Spirit Life as we've been looking at uh, Romans uh, chapter eight. Uh, so I thought we would what we would do today is talk about what 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 are some of the key verses that really stand
1: out uh, for us in Romans chapter eight? Yeah, as I've been reading through chapter 8, um, I'm excited for this series. <laughs> there, I've spent so much time growing up uh, through the years going back to Romans chapter 8. And again, there's just so many good verses. There's there's great passages here. But the, the one I wanted to hit, and it's hard to just pick one, but the one I wanted to hit is out of verses 24 through 26. It says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all for hopes or who hopes for what they already have but if we hope for what we do not yet have we wait for it patiently and then verse 26 gets back to the Holy Spirit it says in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness and and it's just this great look at hope and saying you know (laughs) we hope for what is not yet seen we live in a world where maybe what is seen discourages us maybe what is seen saps our hope um, and yet he says that's the point. We we hope for what we do not yet see, and then he again adds, "Man, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness." And I just, I just love that, and have gone there many times.
0: Ben, how about you? Has there been a verse that's really struck you in Romans chapter eight as as we've been going through this sermon series?
2: Yeah, we're not quite there yet, but um, at least I don't. I, you haven't preached on verse fifteen yet. Have no, you? not been yet. Following. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I missed that if, if you did. It's coming this Sunday. Okay. Good. Yeah, verse verses fifteen uh, and and sixteen. It says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry Abba Father. And the Spirit himself testifies that our spirit, um, or with our spirit, that we are God's children. This is this has been a passage that I've gone to. Um, I've gone back to many times in my life. I think um, both for myself and people that I've been walking a journey with. I think really around identity, just reminding mm-hmm. ourselves who who we are in Christ, mm-hmm. and so we once, you know, once separate and and once not children of God, but you know, by the power of the Spirit through God's grace, we now get to call Him. Abba, we get to call him Mm -hmm. father. And Mm -hmm. it's just a really powerful passage um, for for a lot of different reasons. But I think that one, just that real personal, relational, when I think of you know, Mm -hmm. father, when I think of just the kind of the emotional connection that comes with that, it's it's been powerful.
1: And it has such a warm relational term, you know, the Abba Father. And Mm -hmm. Paul is Somewhat confusing, I mean here he says we're not slaves, it doesn't make us slaves, although he's talked about being slaves of Christ, mm-hmm. but he says you're, you're not it doesn 't make us slaves, and we don't have to fear right. and we have this intimate, close relationship where we can call him Abba Father mm-hmm. you know he's near us he we're related, he cares for it I mean there's just all kinds of things there that are wonderful yeah
0: Sean, you in a couple of weeks ago you mentioned uh, it, I think it was the first message in the series that you know, at least in maybe some Baptist traditions and circles, we have placed little emphasis on the role of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I know this has been true of my own upbringing as well in the church yeah. context that I've been. Do you have any thoughts on why we tend to place a little emphasis on the Spirit and um, more emphasis on the yeah. Son and the Father?
1: You know, I, I read a book a number of years ago, and they said that um, back in Europe. The, the progression of thought on one side of the Alps, um, you had the German thinkers, the Swiss thinkers that were very theological and very astute. It was scholastic kind of pro- progress and great work and you know, a great understanding of the gospel message. And they spent a great deal of time in Romans building theological systems. While on the other side of the Alps over in France, you had the people that were about spiritual formation and development of the soul and an understanding of the sensitivity and, and, and perhaps a lot more understanding of the Holy Spirit. And so you, you had these two systems, and it ends up kind of impacting, you know, the, the U.S. and our, our different streams of faith. So I grew up in a stream of faith uh, around theology and scholastic understanding of the gospel, and we were a little bit suspicious of the people in the other stream, you know, the, the, the Spirit-filled people. And yet, I think there's been a good reckoning where, as I said, we had a a Father, a huge sense of the Son, and a little tiny understanding of the Spirit, and we're we're kind of coming Trinitarian of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in equal measures.
0: I remember growing up uh, in high school, I went to a I went to a men's conference that was affiliated with the Assemblies of God, and I wasn't really familiar with um, Assemblies and uh, their theology at the time. And I have to admit, there was moments where I was really uncomfortable with some of the things being taught, but also some of the practices of people being slain in the Spirit and speaking in tongues and some of these other uh, manifestations of the Spirit, as they would say. Uh, And I I still wrestle with some of those things today. But but was there something attractive as well? There was something attractive. I mean, there was this uh, this thought in my mind of, you know, I wish I could have that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think today as I've, you know, grappled with the, the biblical text and what Paul says that, you know, not everybody does have the gift of speaking in tongues. I don't think scripture teaches that it's the you know, the baptism of the Spirit then leads yeah. to speaking in tongues. I mean, even yesterday you, I think, mentioned, or on Sunday you mentioned that, you know, that if you've trusted in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit. Yeah.
1: Paul, Paul argues for that clearly in this passage.
0: Yeah. So I think theologically I do have, I still yeah. have some issues, but there also was this. Yeah. I would, I mean, my I think naturally my mind goes to more of the, the, the cerebral and the intellectual yeah.
1: aspect of the uh, traditions of the faith. Yeah. Well, I think he was talking to the Jewish, stuffy guys and saying, "Hey, by the way, if you have Christ, you have the Spirit. <laughs> you know, yes. like it comes as a part of it. Yeah. And and maybe you're not sensing the Spirit, maybe you're not being um, responsive to the Spirit. Um, he's there, so come on. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's where I, you know, I want to grow and I want to understand yeah. more deeply. Like if I'm Spirit filled, it should make a difference."
0: Ben, how do you sense God's leading in your life or speaking in your life? You know, I, um, I know. I mean, you oversee our prayer ministry at Calvary and mm-hmm. uh, have a real heart and passion for prayer. How do you see the role of the Holy Spirit in your own life when it comes to prayer and hearing God's voice?
2: Yeah, this is a this is an ongoing um, an ongoing journey. I, I think a, a lot of it is just. You know, stepping into um, these personal times w- with the Lord, a lot of times it involves, um, you know, it, in- it involves Scripture. It's the meditating on Scripture, and then really when I when I think about how, you know, on a day to day basis, how I re- how I relate to God, how I relate to to the Spirit, uh, it's I-, I try to think about it in a similar way that you know I would with. Um, with, with a friend, and so it's this ongoing, uh, you know, I would say practice of bringing, bringing everything to to God the Father, right? Bringing uh, all of what I'm wrestling with, the questions that I have, the the struggles that I'm going through throughout the day, and and then waiting and listening. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I think, part of why we have such a, at least why I have a difficulty with. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit at times and the, or the role of the Holy Spirit. And it's, you know, Sean, I think even back to the, the passage that you chose, the the last part that you didn't read about we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through yeah. wordless groans. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of that experience of because it's the Spirit, because it's it's subjective in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. right? It's not... Yeah. the the objective kind of word of God that we can read and, and sort of pull apart and find the context and go back to the original language we have, we have that experience with uh, you know with the actual written word of God but when you step into the realm of hearing the voice of God yeah you, you have to enter the realm of you know this subjective experience that
1: Right, and, and what's really cool is that this isn't just a theological book this is right. Paul's writing yeah. so Paul who had been walking with God who had experienced the Holy Spirit in really powerful ways mm-hmm. writes under inspiration and, and, and yet he says you know the passage you read that the spirit testifies with our spirit and reminds us that we are God's children so like, that happened to Paul like he wouldn't write it unless it happened, yeah. <laughs> and, and then the Holy Spirit is groaning on our behalf. I mean, that must have happened to Paul. I'll see, we wouldn't be writing it. And yeah, the question is: has it happened to me? Yeah. Has it happened to you? I mean, is there is there some way where you have felt the Spirit witnessing to your spirit and reminding you you're you're God's yeah. child?
2: Yeah, certainly, and. I, I'm trying to. One of the practical ways that that happens for me is is in worship. Uh, it's yeah. it's in when I'm singing God's praise. You mm. know, when I'm when I'm lifting up His name, pointing pointing back to Him, yeah. giving Him the glory and, and honor that He's due. There's something very real that happens in in me when yeah. I'm doing that with you know with my voice, yeah. <laughs> with with my being. Uh, God it certainly meets me in those times in a special way. Uh, yeah. it,
1: it, Maybe not every time, but right. distinct stirring of the heart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tucker, we didn't find out what your passage was. Well, th- one of the things that I wanted to do leading
0: up to the passage is I think it's really helpful to look at what is a what is the biblical theology of the role of the Spirit in, in, and yeah. uh, in Scripture and kind of tracing that that larger story of God's salvation and. Uh, from Genesis to Revelation. So I just wanted to highlight, before I get to this the This is just going to take Romans, a couple minutes. He's <laughs> going to cover gonna Genesis in, to Revelation. In, yeah. Yeah. In, in one minute here. There you go. Well, I just I want to highlight just a couple of verses. So Genesis 1-2, we have the Spirit, of course, hovering over the waters at creation. So the, the, the Holy Spirit is involved at creation. And then one of the things that you see in the Old Testament is the Holy Spirit then coming upon people for very specific purposes and tasks. So uh, in Exodus 35, uh, 31, you have uh, Bezalel and Aholiab, the uh, craftsmen of the tabernacle, that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit comes upon them for a specific task. And we see this in the Judges with uh, Samson and uh, Judges chapter 14 and through 16. And then 1 Samuel 16, 13, the anointing of David as as king. And then there's this expectation in the prophets that there would one, be one who comes whom the Spirit would anoint for mm-hmm. a very particular task, and that was to bring redemption for God's people. And so Isaiah 11, 1, we have the Spirit shall rest upon the, the branch uh, from, uh, from Jesse. Uh, and Isaiah 42, 1, the Spirit shall anoint a servant. And then Isaiah 44, 3, God shall pour out his Spirit on his people and then in in the other some of the other prophets in ezekiel and, and, and in Joel, we have this expectation that the spirit would come in the latter days, and the people would prophesy as Joel talks about, and Ezekiel talks about uh, that God places spirit within us, and we would be careful to dreams yeah, walk, yeah walk, and walk in his commandments and be careful to observe his ordinances and then we come to the gospel of Matthew, and we have the spirit coming upon Jesus at his baptism, which I think is the anointing of Jesus for a very specific task and that is to be um, the long awaited king and servant so this, this servant king and then Acts chapter 2 after the coming of the spirit at Pentecost you have Peter who's preaching this this first real sermon you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he ties the events to that expectation in Joel that in the latter days the spirit would come and the people would prophesy, and as you mentioned, dream dreams, uh, and, and Peter says this is happening now. One of the things I think is helpful to, to really articulate is the the idea of the the distinction between the old age and the age to come, and and, and Jewish thought. This idea that uh, the old age is uh, you know the the time of the the, the monarchy, and there was uh, the time of the judges, and and also the intertestamental period where there's this awaiting of the the spirit and and the age to come. And I think that's a helpful thing to think through when we look at the New Testament that the coming of the Spirit brings the, the latter days, the mm-hmm. age to come. And of course, we're still wrestling with sin, we're struggling with sin, and so as you've talked about in, in, in a number of your messages, we're in this already not yet time. Mm-hmm. We're in the latter days, but we're, we're also awaiting the fullness of their coming. So with that, I, I think Romans eight and verses eight to eleven. Um, so I'm reading out of the, of the CSB here. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So I would see that as talking about those who are in that that old age, the age of the prior to the coming of the Spirit. Although in this already not yet, it's there's a little there's a, this overlap. But then he says, "You whoever are not in the flesh." But in the spirit, and I think uh, the NIV is, does it say realm of the spirit there? Yes, realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit. Who lives in you? And so I see there. There's that already not yet idea where yeah. you know we're still in these these bodies that are subject to death, but because we have the Spirit, because we're in this already not yet, we await the time when when our bodies will be raised as well.
1: Yeah, it is interesting as we've gotten to chapter eight, um, just in as we've journeyed through Romans, um, the Spirit comes up a couple times at different points in the text through chapter 7 but in all three passages that we chose, the Holy Spirit is kind of center stage and, yeah. and so what Paul has done here is is created the angst, created the need for salvation and, and he's speaking to Jews in particular but those who are outside the faith and now he's hitting them really hard with Holy Spirit Holy Spirit Holy Spirit, (laughs) and um, why? What do you think Paul is about here, and why do you think he is, you know, dumping on this
2: this really good challenge about the Holy Spirit? I think he's saying no longer is you know is your position before God decided by your by your lineage in a sense, right? Your gentileness, your Jewishness, your yeah. Yeah, it's now decided. Uh, by you know whether or not you express you know allegiance to Christ and, yeah. and him alone. and um, and the, you know the mark of of that, then ultimately, if if you've made that decision is that the spirit then takes up residence in you, right? Yeah. doesn't just come upon you for 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 a certain time or a certain act, but you yeah. know is residing in you.. I, yeah. So I think that's obviously a huge shift from how they had been living, with their understanding of what it meant to be, you know, quote-unquote, a child of God. Um, Now being a child of God is directly related to um, whether or not the Spirit lives in you. (laughs) And whether or not the Spirit lives in you is directly connected to whether or not by grace you've received Jesus as your Savior and Lord.
1: So he's really redefined that relationship. It's salvation, but it's also that that ongoing relationship and the identity of who we are
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, is found as children of God through the salvation of Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit Yeah. and really pushing them in an identity. This is who you are. Yeah. And this is how you relate to vertically and how you res- relate horizontally.
2: When, when he talks uh, about, you know, when he refers to uh, God the Father as Abba. I, I think again, he's doing something. Uh, he's doing something really poignant here, right? He's in contrast to how it is that they've related to God in the past. When you, you had the tabernacle, and you had—I mean, really—to to really experience God, you were in the Holy of Holies, and yeah. all of what they had to do in preparation, and and the—you know—there was only a select few who could do that. Yeah. <clears throat> So everything that happened when when Christ, you know, died on the cross and the the, the curtain was was torn and no longer this separation, right? So again, I, I think just to reiterate, like I think Paul's saying, now because of who you are, you you get to call God Abba. Yeah, get,
1: and that was radical. I mean, I yeah. think he was rattling their cages a little yeah, bit, right. <laughs> you know, saying, "I, I met a." A guy yesterday. He was in church on Sunday, but he lives in Eliot, Israel, and his job is to run a um, a life size model of the tabernacle. So he puts on his job descriptions that he's a high priest, and he said people. His grandmother said people don't really ask about that, but um, you you know it's a it's a depiction of what was, and yet he is a follower of Jesus Christ, and so he lives into what is and and so the the history is really important to see and and this this verse makes really good sense but also see the radicalness of what Paul the life change he's experienced and what he wants for others.
0: You're listening to the Raw Roast where we're having a conversation today about uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in in our lives. One of the one of the challenges that I wrestle with is asking the question like do I really believe that the Holy Spirit really does dwell in me; that it's not just an idea, it's not just a, um, it's not just a metaphor, but the Holy Spirit, as the third person of the Trinity, mm-hmm. actually indwells in me because I've trusted in Christ, and that's something that I I have to come back to, and 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 I think that's where you know, looking at this larger story of Scripture, and one of the things that is one of the things that marks the the age of, uh, the age to come, and this already not yet is the reality of the Spirit living within those who trust in Christ. Hmm. So that's something that I, I wrestle with, and I don't know if the two of you do as well. But I, I one of the reasons why I wrestle with that is, do I see enough evidence in my own life that the Holy Spirit really does reside within me, and. I can't remember who said it, where I heard it, but it, they were you know, they were asking like, "What is the what is the biggest reason that you struggle with whether or not Christianity is true?" And you know, I was expecting some you know intellectual answer, some you know r- r- questions around the resurrection or whatever. But it was whether or not they personally see enough evidence in their own life of the role mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, and that's that's something that I struggle with personally as I just consider my own life so i don't know about the two of you um but that's i know that's a struggle for me
2: i appreciate you bringing it up i think it's a struggle for me too i what it makes me think of is uh richard foster wrote a book streams of living water i don't know if you guys have read that one but it's been a powerful one for me in my life but six six streams you know of uh you know Emphasizing different aspects of, of life and faith, you know, yeah. in the Christian life. But one of the streams is the charismatic stream. It's the spirit empowered life. Yeah. So Tucker, when you say, "If I really believe that the Spirit of God has taken up residence in me," uh, then what? I, I think yeah. that's my next question. Is well, hmm. so then? So then what? What should or could be different in in my life? Uh, if that is true and so another verse that I think about is in e- Ephesians which has a, a lot of similar language at least for me when I when I go back to Ephesians 1 when I'm thinking about identity or I'm, I'm struggling with my own identity or I'm helping someone kind of think about their identity he uh, you know there's a Paul talks about uh, in Ephesians he talks about sonship again talks about adoption talks about, um, you know, living into this glorious inheritance that, that's ours through Christ Jesus. But one of the other things he talks about is um, there's an, an incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Hmm. Uh, and, then it, and then it goes on there. Uh, so that's, so kind of in that same vein, Tucker, I, I think often about that. God, if you are truly living in me, how should that make a difference in in my life, in Mm -hmm. my day-to-day life as I interact with people, as I, uh, you know, again, I'm pumping gas at the gas station or as I'm sitting down to have lunch at the restaurant or, you know, it's, I think back to that constant communication, like, God, if I trust that you're in me and you're speaking to me and that you've given me access to, to really all of who you are, part of that being your power. How do you want me to live that out in this specific circumstance that I'm in? Is there is there potentially a, a word that you would give to me for the person I'm interacting with? Is there a is there a way that you want me to act with this certain person? You know that you're allowing me to have interaction with. What is it, God, that you? Um, that this person needs from you in this moment? And do I have a role in that? God, what is that role for me? Uh, So, and I think there's lots of different ways again that that could play out. It might mean that God does give me a a specific word of encouragement for, for that person that I may or may not know. It might mean that I, you know, take a step of faith and ask them if I'm, if they'd be willing that I would pray, if I could pray for them. Anyway, I think there's a lot of practical ways that that can play out. But usually it means some kind of step of faith, something that's outside of my comfort zone. And I think that's the big thing for me is the, the measure, I guess, for whether or not maybe I'm living into this reality that the Spirit of God lives in me is, am I regularly doing things that make me uncomfortable hmm. and that, uh, that require God to show up? And so again, that, that, that those don't have to be big, you know, big things necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it requires uh, something of me where I, I get outside of my own comfort zone. I get outside of my little box that I've created, you know, of who I understand God to be mm-hmm. and what I feel like God might be able to do. And I think in those little steps of, of obedience where I say yes to God, I think that's what ultimately kind of builds builds great faith. You know, it, it, it builds into that space of um, con- connecting with the Spirit and hear, truly hearing God's voice and stepping into some of these realities, you know, that we read about of, of like, the, the power of God resides in me and he's given me access to that. And, man, that, what, you know, again, what does that mean? You know, but I think it's, like I've said, it's in those uh, those little acts of obedience that move us into that those spaces of like getting to see God move in amazing ways. Yeah, I I really like um, that idea of a long obedience in the
1: same direction. Yeah, and it's I don't think it's just Scandinavian culture that doesn't want the big and splashy, but you know, so often we we kind of connect Holy Spirit work with the miraculous and amazing, and and I think that you're right. I think. That the Holy Spirit work is, is sometimes a still small voice telling mm-hmm. us the right thing to do. It is it is faithfulness. It's you know this passage ends with more than conquerors. This idea that we're not the the victor at the front of the army, but we're the people that survive the battles. We're the people that push through and hear our identity in Christ and get our marching orders from. God and are strengthened for the, the duties of the day through the Spirit. And it's that consistent, faithful dependence. Um, and it's knowing that, it, as he says at the end, that we are deeply, deeply loved by God. Mm-hmm. And nothing can separate us from that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you both for uh, your conversation today. This has been really good. Uh, it's pushing me out of my comfort zone, too, just to think. I mean, this is not, I, I don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. And this has certainly been a reminder of that for me. Uh, So thank you both for your insights and I've enjoyed our our time today.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Tucker.
0: Well, thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about Calvary Church, you can visit calvarychurch.us. You can check us out online or in person on Sunday mornings. And we would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. It also helps if you leave us a review. We look forward to having you join us again next Monday.